Duncan thought as if he were in his forties. Although age had made him slightly unsteady on his feet, it had had no other discernible effect on him. He still carried within him a passionate engagement in life, an engagement that was not political in any sort of party sense, but which drew from a deep taproot of liberalism. His convictions remained those that had shaped his life, both as a lawyer and beyond. The sanctity of the jury as a bulwark of English liberty, the futility of prison as a means of punishment in most cases, the need for rehabilitation of offenders both in prison and after, the vital importance of a vigorous and independent criminal bar to the functioning of justice, and, more broadly, the hatred of censorship and cant, the importance of conversation as the vigorous exchange of ideas, the cultivation of friendship as a supreme value in itself delight in the natural world and the visual arts. After a time, I hesitantly asked him whether he had ever thought of writing his memoirs. No, came the answer, he was far too busy living in the present to rake over the past. Had anyone else written his life? It appeared not. Surely, I suggested, it would be of considerable interest were someone to set down his experiences and memories. He was not keen. He is a private man, and a biography seemed immodest and, anyway, an intrusion. Anyhow, who would be interested? A lot of people, I retorted, but I did not press the point. It was only later that I came across letters from various publishers over the years urging him to write a memoir or a monograph on the art of advocacy. All in vain. After a while, I started on a different tack. I told him I thought it would be fun to write up a few of his most interesting cases, perhaps for private publication to mark his hundredth birthday, which was then a couple of years off. Jeremy hesitated, but eventually agreed. Perhaps the pull of the past had been a little stronger than he thought. I started on a short but charming case in which he had triumphed, the trial of Kempton Bunton. It had attracted considerable press coverage at the time, and for good reason. Bunton had apparently committed the first and only successful theft in the history of the National Gallery, the purloining, via a lavatory window, of Goya's famous portrait of the Duke of Wellington. Jeremy had defended him at the Old Bailey in 1965, and had successfully persuaded the jury that Bunton, a retired Newcastle bus driver, outraged that £140,000 could be forked out for an old painting when OAPs had to pay for their television licenses and who wished to make a public protest about this state of affairs, had not been guilty of theft because he had never intended to deprive the gallery permanently of the painting. Jeremy was amused by the product of my researches, and I wrote a couple more pieces on other cases, including Lady Chatterley. By now he had mentioned and thrown open to me his archive. In fact, a large tin box in which had been stashed away a vast number of legal papers, correspondence and newspaper cuttings over forty years of practice. This archive has proved to be the proverbial goldmine. The writing up of these cases galvanized Jeremy's interest in the past, and in particular his own past. Most people do not think of their life as a thing of intrinsic general interest, but through my, no doubt sometimes tiresome enthusiasm, Jeremy became engaged in the process. His initial mantra, 
It was so long ago, I have no memory of what happened. I am thankful to say, proved to be entirely wrong. In fact, his recollection of events that had occurred many decades previously proved to be razor sharp, sufficiently minute to recall the look of a witness when a critical question was asked, or the laugh of a jury that signaled the demise of the prosecution case. But all this was still just intended as a small project, a distraction from my own chancery practice and the writing of black-letter law books. It was at this stage that the friend who had first introduced me to Jeremy, the historian Juliet Nicholson, looking at my pieces, said that she thought they could be of wider interest. She introduced me to the literary agent Caroline Dorney, and Jeremy and I were astounded when Caroline whose client list makes for dizzying reading, said that she shared Juliet.